0: Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save.
2: sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save. At Kroger, we believe it takes the right team to bring you the freshest produce. That's why we partner with farmers who grow only the best. And that level of teamwork means better, fresher options time and time again. Working with farmers is what it takes to be fresh for everyone. Kroger, fresh for everyone.
1: It's the big ten dollars sale. So mix and match and get two, three, four, five, or even ten for ten dollars with your card. So many great deals. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the Exxon
3: Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media.
0: I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and in each weekly show, you'll hear the fascinating ways other people discovered the genius in them and what they were able to accomplish. At the end of each show, you'll hear clues on how you can recognize your own innate genius. All over the world, people have many, many diverse interests, and in that vein, people have written to our show's producers and asked about different occupations and areas of life that have highly interested them. People want to know how highly successful people have managed to achieve their genius mindset by utilizing the gifts that are seen in their name by using nameology science. Some of the letters asked, how does someone express their creative talents and how does someone share those gifts with others in a way that all benefit? Our expert tonight is Bernard Morin, who has done the most remarkable job sharing his multiple talents with others, as he is a shaman, a playwriter, an artist, and so much more. Bernard has an unusual background because he became aware at a very young age that the world was not entirely as it appeared. Some of that awareness was because of nightmarish events he had as a UFO abductee. These abductions started for him at a very young age and continued well into the first few decades of his life. Initially, his childhood fear was that he was insane, and therefore he tried to suppress all the memory of it. It felt much more important to fit in, to have friends, and to be accepted. However, later as an adult, he realized that these experiences were, in fact, gifts that came to him too early to comprehend in his young life. In the relative safety of his early 20s, he began to observe the physical world around him for any clues that would make sense of those early experiences. He found himself drawn to people with particular physical difficulties and abnormalities. His observations subsequently led him to identify patterns that would reveal histories of both emotional and spiritual trauma. Additionally, he found that he could intuit a person's issues across the street, then at great distances, as if they were right in front of him. This ability led him to question commonly held beliefs about time, space, and question assumptions about illnesses and disabilities. He started to amass a body of observations that still seemed out of step with the world. Bernard felt like a foreigner on the planet. In his mid-twenties, he entered the world of advertising and stayed immersed there for a period of almost 20 years. However, In 1988, life and eventually his calling proceeded to wake him up. He was introduced first to traditional wakey, then to a very gifted healer, the late Eleanor Moore in New Hampshire. And Eleanor's experiences with UFOs and healing in particular served to confirm his own experiences and awarenesses. He finally felt that his early life's experiences had been ratified. He hadn't been crazy after all. His thirst for further understanding led him to shamanism in 1989. Bernard's formal introduction was with the foundation of shamanic studies. During the second course with the foundation, he recognized that he'd been seeing and journeying since very early childhood, but had managed to suppress it as white noise, mostly out of fear of insanity. Subsequent to this revelation, there followed a trip of self-discovery to witness the work of other shaman in Ecuador in 1995. Though choosing not to be a participant in In the use of a sacred, psychotropic drug available during that journey, he soon realized that he was having the same visions and experiences which were occurring to others who had ingested the drug. It was a revelation for him clearly these altered state journeys were available without the use of drugs and that he could easily envision other people's dreams and experiences at will. In 1992, Bernard left advertising and started to teach and share his knowledge with others. He now teaches only a few times a year, but because of his abilities, he's able to conduct his individual healing sessions by telephone with anyone in the world. Bernard currently resides in a small town in Canada in the province of Ontario. His name indicates that he has fairness issues. In other words, he wants the world to be fair. His name also indicates that he's quite competitive and desires to be his best at all time. He uses competition to prove his own abilities. Bernard's name also indicates that he's a detective and loves to know the background story of people around him, which I feel from looking at the name is what's really helped him with his current profession. Welcome to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You radio show, Bernard.
4: Thank you, Sharon. (laughs) Nice to be here.
0: I want to know really quickly the name or (laughs) what it is that that you're currently working on. What's your current project that you're doing?
4: Um, I'm currently working to see if I can affect DNA um, coding in the body, if uh, it's possible to reverse uh, uh, DNA-coded propensity so that people who are born with illnesses that uh, appear to have no known uh, resolution under uh, traditional medicine can actually be shifted energetically. So that's the current one. Uh, I work mostly with myself on that and a, and a couple of friends, but it will take a while to perfect.
0: Wow, that sounds fascinating. Stay tuned to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. After the break, we'll find out how a shaman sees and senses the world differently than the rest of us and more about the DNA
3: For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net.
1: Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, the fun of dying was written for you. And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life has no meaning, let the fun of dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in the fun of dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Her wonderful book, The Fun of... Welcome back.
0: I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. Our guest tonight is Bernard Warren. Bernard, please describe to us how a shaman sees the world versus how a non-shaman would see the world.
4: Uh, yeah, that's a very good question and a very big one. Um, we kind of live, you know, bipolar lives because on one level, we have a life to live. You know, we have to buy groceries, make food, uh, pay bills, do all that. But the second level of it is, um, and it's, it's in, it comes as an invitation to lift out of the body, and that is to see energetically what is moving in the world and how to move that um, around or how to uh, really envision or encapsulate an issue, an emotional issue for something uh, or someone, uh, much as, uh, I guess, a cloud or cigarette smoke or something. It has that kind of shape to it, and then it can be manipulated. It can be changed. And made uh, less toxic or it can be revealed for what it is inside so we see things in a energy doesn't really totally describe it but we see it much more as a movement of air but that air Wow this is hard (laughs) Um, it's like water on a glass window you know how it uh, distorts the image Uh, When it's pouring down, that's kind of what the energy looks like for me So as an instance, I, I just spent some time in Asheville and Asheville was in the center Asheville, North Carolina was in the center of several forest fires and the smoke was circulating up and through Asheville Which made it very difficult to breathe and almost impossible to go outside and I thought okay Why am I here and as I questioned that within myself? I could feel myself lifting out of my body slightly which meant this is where the work is and I decided the best thing to do was um, bring rain in because it is a drought area and then I had to think about where is it wisest to bring rain in do I steal it from another area locally Do I go farther out to where weather originates? Is that on the jet stream or is that on the West Coast? And I determined it would, for that area, would have to have been the West Coast off California. So I pulled in a series of storms that were about two days apart, but not heavy, heavy downpours that would cause flooding, but light enough so the, the the ground could accept it and use it and absorb it, and then another wave would come in, and in the middle of doing that, you feel this energy come through your body that is very affirming for what you're doing, and uh, um, I can't tell you it's like it's like having uh, you know wind beneath the wings as you fly it's a it's a it's a, a really a lovely feeling but it always has to be done with respect for natural order does that answer your question
0: <laughs> yeah so you're looking at the world differently it's interesting that you mentioned the weather because mm-hmm. jd dewey who's a very prolific author has literally written a ton of information on how a group consciousness or thoughts affect weather patterns and right it, When I was in Thailand, they mentioned there, I noticed that there were no fire departments. And the lady I was studying with there said, we don't have a need for fire departments because we don't have fires. And I went to an event where different kites were being put up because it was a big event with all these kites everywhere. And some of them would fall back to the earth and start a small fire. And regardless whether it fell in a tree or on the ground, uh, it would evaporate and it would burn itself out immediately and nobody would rush over and put water on it so the fact that you were stating that you pulled in the rain i mean i found that really fascinating because it ties in with what jj dewey's doing and how thailand that whole community believes
4: Um, that's right and and a native shaman can summon all kinds of weather if it's for a high purpose so if um, if anyone has read Rolling Thunder by, I think, Dan Boyd, he talks about how Rolling Thunder was able to bring a tornado up to the door of a prison where a young Native man was being held in order to release him. Um, he he didn't have to use it in that fashion. He just said, look, if you don't hand him over, I'm going to send this through the building. So weather whether responds to thought and group thought um, and to to mass consciousness, I think it's something that we've probably not quite understood in, in the depths that we can. Um, and it's not something I ever fool with. I used I used to joke and say, "Okay, I don't do barbecues and weddings." But if it's if there's if it's life threatening, and if there are. Um, if there's a huge damage uh, possible for the environment, then I act I'm act, I, I respond to it, ask myself, is this where I'm supposed to be working? I feel the energy lifting me out of my body, and then I know that's how I work.
0: So how did becoming a shaman change your life?
4: Um, it, I think the the biggest way it changed was it ratified the early part of my life because um i always had trouble focusing you know i was a, a child who we would now say was add i had a lot of trouble uh reading for any length of time i had to study in 20 minute periods because my brain kept skipping out and it didn't occur to me until much later as an adult that i wasn't that isn't what i was supposed to be learning but you know there's this large need to fit in and of course i had parents who I had never had higher education, so it was considered a great privilege and an expectation that I should go through that way. But uh, as soon as I hit this work, it was like within me just a massive aha. Um, it's like this is who you are. Um, I still keep it under wraps, um, meaning I, I, don't want to, uh, I don't want to intimidate people. With it, because once they realize you're capable of seeing things in a different way, they become uh, a little uncomfortable, much like they're standing there in their underwear and i don't I don't <laughs> want that, so I do keep it under, and that's why I like working on the phone with people because we don't have to present each other to, uh, to each other rather formally, but uh, it can be done on the phone with far more efficiently actually than it would be in person so
0: well, it's changed
4: I- my life a lot. <laughs>
0: I've heard a lot of people from a lot of people that have had sessions with you, and they are most pleased. So I'm really curious what a session looks like, and what can people expect in a session from you.
4: When when someone books a session with me, it's really a commitment to work with me in the energy. And so, um, from the moment they actually make the booking, even though the session itself may not take place for a couple of weeks. I'm with them in the energy. In other words, they're pulled into this envelope of energy in which enormous change is possible. Um, so for the couple of weeks or days leading into a session, someone will have an enhanced dream life, um, or they will uh, feel a surge of energy, or magical things will start Happening around them, such as uh, animal behavior, unusual animal behavior is, is very common. Um, you know, birds and uh, butterflies and wolves and deer and owls and all these animal hawks will start appearing in one's life. And as we move into the session itself, it's it's almost as if the majority of the work. That needed to be done was prepped in that period so that when we are speaking on the phone um, it can come to a conclusion so that someone isn't left in some form of chaos it's it's a large move um, within the body of the session I then follow that session for two weeks so it comes to a point of closure because there aren't other people really doing uh, this work you know you do need to offer support to people so in the course of the session um it starts with a conversation and someone simply needs to give me three or five words um i'll say have you had any dreams and they'll start and as soon as i feel the lift i know that's i've got the avenue to run down so i visually see um what their dream is what they're going what's around them energetically i have an uh A a capture of uh, their energy field of the person they are and then around that like movies I can get to see their history um, what they're going and what has been a problem and if a problem presents itself it will appear very often as the figure of someone behind them or down the road and I would say do you feel anybody around you and uh, they'll say well no and I said okay well this is a man and he's and He's trying to say something, and boom, the movement will start within them. Or I see a karmic history that is affecting their life now, and I'm able to talk about that. So a lot of a shaman's job is to cultivate tone so the energy can run smoothly through your voice and vibrate through the person you're dealing with so that the change is um, graceful and has ease and is um, not in any way traumatic. It's, it's all resolution based and warm.
0: So you're saying part of the shaman's job. Does that mean your sessions appear like other shamans also sessions or is yours different in some way?
4: I can't tell most, uh, most of the shaman I've ever come in contact with have been, uh, based in native, uh, practice. And I don't do, I don't do, uh, cultural practice in that respect this is just uh my version of it and and i often tell people we all have this in us it's all there um i've just had a bit more mileage in it than 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 others but i don't do the ritual now i know that many shamans see energy and they see the field and they see the history whether we see it the same way is a very difficult thing to determine i wouldn't know for sure
0: so I've been privileged to get an experience to experience one of your workshops as you guided us in using our imaginations to be more creative. Could you describe to us the importance of using our imagination and possibly when our imagination might get in our way?
4: Imagination uh, is used when your uh, left brain, your linear brain, your logical brain gets in the way of Um, An experience so uh, a brain will your that part of your brain will come in and say okay is this really happening I mean is that real or are you just you know what is this Um, the best part of shamanism comes out of your right brain so most often I, I ask people to use imagination to jump start past the left side of the brain so that they move they move quickly into the right side of the brain, and that's all it takes is a little jump now um there are people uh, usually they're men <laughs> uh who are so left brain bound that they they don't think they're having an experience and i I always take great joy in these people because. I can tell by the energy above them that they're having it. It's just that their left brain won't give it to them in a way in which they recognize. And those people usually call me within a few days saying, oh my God, you won't believe what's happened. It's just all this is happening. It's just that their brain was in the way before. So uh, the role of imagination is to skip past that left brain part. Okay. You know,
0: I find that fascinating When you're talking about both the left and the right side of the brain, because as so many years of a teacher, I've realized that people learn very differently depending on which side of the brain is dominant. Please stay tuned to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. After the break, we'll find out about some of the different ways that Bernard has assisted people heal.
2: Relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash X Zone. That's right, transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash X Zone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free.
0: back I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth and you're listening to know the name know the genius in you our guest tonight is Bernard Morin who can be reached via his website in the name of healing.ca standing for Canada you've been working now for over 40 years Bernard observing how behavior choices can affect our physical bodies could you give us some examples of what you've seen
4: um, I have to go back to the, the, the first person that really taught me the, what I was looking at. And uh, I was living in London, England at the time at a, a five-way intersection, and there was a bag lady um, that who every day stood out in one of the concrete projections that separated the lanes, and she had her fist raised, and she was yelling and shaking her fist at the traffic every day and she had in the other hand uh, a shopping bag always filled with the same things and my bus stop was right across the right across the street from where i was living and just a few uh, you know a few yards from her and she she mesmerized me because i wondered at a certain point what must it be like to be her like what is it like to be in her body and so I decided that if I could take on her body posture, um, maybe I would learn something. So I mimicked her. I was out of her vision. I mimicked her body posture and got home that night and stood in front of the mirror and and got the posture. And then I walked around the room like that for 20 minutes. And then all of a sudden, I knew what had happened to her, that she had been raised in a family with a number of children. Father was... Uh, quite an authoritarian and uh, his belief was that children should be seen and not heard um, and she was really kind of beaten down as a child and had this enormous anger about it and so there she was out raising her fist and being angry with uh, something that couldn't talk back. Occasionally she'd get the odd horn from a passing motorist but it just allowed her to sort of you know, go into it deeper. And I realized her whole posture was kind of hunched forward and tight. And it was tight around her heart, it was like she was protecting her heart. And as that progressed, I started noticing anyone who who walked in an unusual fashion, I would mimic them from a distance, and could figure out exactly what had happened to them just by taking on the body posture. So that's how it all started initially and uh, it has it developed into a way of reading the body which progressed for me for a couple of decades until I met uh, Eleanor Moore but it I also realized that if I'm talking to someone that my finger my right hand would want to go to a certain part on their shoulder and if I had permission to touch somebody there um, their whole body would un, would relax and unravel, and I thought, okay, my hands are more intelligence than my brain. Here, my real intelligence is in my hand. If I just let my hand tell me where to work, then you know that's that that will reveal what I need to know or or do what is needed. I also discovered that my eyes tell me where to work. So I'll find myself staring at someone and not realize I'm staring at them. And it's like I'm busy thinking on something and realize, okay, wait a minute, you're staring at this person. What is it about this person that is taking your attention? And that's where either healing is needed or, or where I can learn.
0: Do, do you ever, when you're, when you're doing that and you're pulled in because you realize that you're staring on somebody, ask permission to heal them, even though they're not consciously aware?
4: Um, I always ask that permission uh, of their spirit. And I started addressing their spirit because uh, consciously um, they they may be uncomfortable because I'm a stranger, but their spirit would know. So I, I asked the spirit if it's appropriate or, or, or right for me to send energy to this person who doesn't know me at all and doesn't know what's happening particularly, but I trust that they will get what they need.
0: You know, you also paint and, at- And those paintings sell. So how does that relate to your shamanic journey? Are they connected in any way?
4: Yes. (laughs) You're very sharp. Um, I started painting with with a a very definite idea that um, behind my paintings would be an energy that would cause healing for the right people that looked at them. So I never really created art. For anyone else it was always that and very often and most often it just would fly out of my unconscious and i would be painting and getting lost in 15 layers of paint and stand back and say okay what is that you know what is it about and there was one one very strong moment this is when i was living in newfoundland when i did a piece and uh i thought oh, gee i wonder what that's about what if what have i been What has been bothering me lately that that that, that may be a symbol of? And what had been bothering me is that all wars seem to be started by men. And I thought, and the the aggression in the world is is really promulgated by men. Um, And in most cases, those men are nothing without women. And I thought, who supports the women? Where does that come from? And uh, the painting is uh, all about that. And I had just put it on the wall in the studio and was standing back and it was open to the public and this Iranian doctor and his wife and two children walked in. And uh, he stood in front of it for almost five minutes and he turned to me and he said, That's about women. <laughs> and I thought, it's finished. <laughs> so it, th- that's what i that's what I'm doing, and, and my favorite was uh because it's abstract uh I had uh people visiting there, and they said, "Oh, we'd like to see your artwork." so I took them downstairs, and the one woman said, "Oh, I've never really understood uh abstract art. I just don't get it at all right And then she stood in front of one she said, "Huh, but i really I like that." And I said, go look at the title. And the title was, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, so what don't you get? <laughs> you know, her unconscious was getting it. Her her left brain wasn't letting it happen because it had to make, you know, a certain amount of sense. So it's always been a, a, a tool of expression there. In fact, I'm about to sell a, bu- a bunch of my work because I'm, inundated I saw the the place I had in Newfoundland I had to empty all my paintings so I'm swamped with paintings right now but um, they only go to people who are affected by them which is what I like you know people will stand in front of them and saying oh my god what's that about or who painted that or whatever and then I know it's speaking to them
0: you asked the question so who supports the women did you ever come up with an answer for that
4: um The answer really is other women, (laughs) (laughs) you know, really, um, and, and spirit, you know, supports the women, but I I mean, it's, we're we're living in essentially uh, a planetary, uh, patriarch and, and therefore, there are wars, and there are you know suppression of people, and uh, it's dominated by a lot of greed, and that, in my mind, is not going to change until women have more say in how the world runs. So, you notice that in most matriarchies, there isn't that problem, and there are matriarchies, so they just they don't they don't have problems of war. So. Um, you know, it seems that other women are the ones who support women, and they tend to cope with the men. There are obviously exceptions, and I'm making grand generalizations, but that's that's what I discovered.
0: You know, I think it's it's rare for us to find a society today that is a matriarchal type of society. And I ran across one of the tribes while traveling in China that was a matriarchal mm-hmm. society which just fascinated me no end because it was very different than than how our culture is here in North America. Um, Bernard, I've met people you have helped and you've helped them develop their skills. And those people with their own skills are most impressive. And one of them that comes to my mind is the policeman there in Canada that you helped and how he's using his intuitive skills in his job. So could you tell us about how you help somebody like that um, develop their skills and what you feel like your role is with that?
4: Um, you're talking about Wayne uh, Adam, and Wayne's skills had been burgeoning, and he initially contacted me because he wanted to do a Reiki class with me, and I hadn't, uh, I hadn't had one planned, and, of course, I don't teach it now. Um, but i recommended him to a student of mine and so he went to that class and decided he wanted to do second level with me and second level in reiki we're talking traditional reiki here the old system and um, to me is it dovetails with shamanism uh there's a there's a point where it dovetails and they're very much similar in 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 many aspects there so um, I taught him second degree, and then we we did a bit of shamanic work. He then attended uh shamanic class with me. And, you know, he's, I would say, the most gifted person I've ever taught. Um, but, you know, in the, in the beginning, you're very unsure about what it is you're seeing or what your role is in information. And so I teach people like that uh, things such as... Uh, if you if you intuit or you gain some information about someone, I have them ask, okay, is this for me to know or for me to tell? Because they're two very distinct things. Uh for you to know is so that you know uh, you know, in a in a broader sense who it is you're dealing with. For me to tell is it's safe to tell this person that information. And I learned that the hard way by uh by spilling information before learning to ask that that developed within my own experience and then with um with people like like wayne you just um we have long conversations if i feel a trend is happening in the world or i see a movement happening we're in what i call now the age of transparency where it's hard to hold secrets so, WikiLeaks and Edward Snowden, and many of those people are part of that same issue um, I'm able to say to Wayne, okay, I'm getting this surge that's happening, and he's able to put words on it, and we share in that respect, so any of the students I have who have gifts like that that should be supported know they have the right to talk and call me, and we'll just uh we'll just ramble on about what they're seeing so uh, and not everyone's gifts are the same, so you have to identify what it is in everyone's gift that needs support.
0: Well, I know that two of your students came out um, to California. They flew out to California to help somebody that was there that was going through the dying process. And I remember the woman uh, telling me at that time whose mate was the one passing away how much help that they gave that dying person and so when we come back from the break i would love to hear about any kind of help that the shamans may see about death more than i want to say the rest of us Um, i think that would be fascinating so please stay tuned to know the name know the genius in you and after the break we'll find out what bernard morin has in his name that insisted him that you may have in your name as well along with uh, what we just asked him.
1: 213-401-0080 courtesy of AudioNow. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213 213- 401 by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com.
2: Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash X zone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash X zone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free.
1: GeneX provides 36 questions for the Select Committee on Benghazi to validate if Americans are justified to mistrust President Obama and Hillary Clinton. An overview of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi is presented on the website www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. www.futureofgodamen.com. You're listening to the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net.
0: Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. Our guest tonight is Bernard Morin, who has taken his shamanic skills to a level where he's able to see what is occurring with someone else, regardless if they're both in the same physical locality he then assists them in healing before the break we asked how shamanic skills can assist in the dying process so bernard would you like to give us some insight on that please
4: sure um for me when uh when someone is dying it's it's really uh someone who's in the uh, cocoon stage and they're about to emerge as a butterfly on the other side of the veil no I, I can I can go back and forth on both sides of the veil, and I I'm very comfortable on both sides, and have absolutely no fear of death because of that. So I'm able to speak with complete confidence with them about what is waiting on the other side. Um, now sometimes their own beliefs will will put a structure on that, or uh, absolute atheists we'll say, well, I know we're just dead and we die and we're gone. I said, okay, well, if that's not true, do me a favor and, uh, you know, send me a message in a butterfly or something like that because normally there is a something else on the other side. But when I'm working with the people who are dying, um, there's one exercise I do with them if they're fully conscious enough, and that is to teach them what their essence is. And I'm able to help them contact their essence without the body in other words who are they without the body because that's the part that continues and once they've done that exercise they're they're enormously relaxed it's like oh and it's familiar they know what it is but you know life has a way of compounding all of that um and if i'm with them while they're dying i'm actually on the other side holding their hand and helping them through and i can also if I'm not able to be with them when they pass over, um, I can take them on a journey and show them where they're going to be going after they die and who will meet them and then take them back down again into the room so they have no fear of passing. And that's really been the most effective part of it.
0: That's most fascinating because the Monroe Institute in Faber, Virginia, has done just a lot of research and studies on being able to train people to do that. And they do it through sound. And so it's very interesting that, that you're able to do it with hand holding and actually being able to stay with them. What's the, yes, basis, sure. what's the basis of healing? In other words, what do people need to know and able to heal? Uh,
4: that's a really good question. It, you know, for me, it's always been uh, when you lose a sense of balance and your place in the world. When uh, things build up and demand or there's too much trauma or whatever, you're kind of taken away from an experience of yourself as a fully grounded, vital person. Um, And what healing for me is, it's not curing necessarily. Healing is learning to come back to a balance that whatever life has for you um, is okay. It, it, It contains no fear. Healing for me is about not having fear um and able to move through i learned that um through the AIDS crisis um working with myself at the time and deciding that uh, as a very wise woman once said to me there are two things out there one is AIDS and the other is the fear of AIDS and i'm not sure which is more fatal and i thought right well i'm going to make sure that the fear of AIDS is not going to get me and i had to simply address that and that is a shaman's way you just turn and you look the owl in the face you look yourself in the face really and just say what is so scary how bad can that be and uh not allow it to dominate or rule your life and that's of course where a lot of control mechanisms come for people as well when they won't face a fear of not being in control
0: you mentioned something That's, about the essence of self and introducing somebody to the essence of themselves. Could you elaborate on that what you mean by that?
4: Um, some people would call that soul. Um, I call it spirit. Soul for me is is a, is another concept, and spirit is a part of it, but it's a larger concept. Um, spirit is that part of you that um that doesn't die so uh what i do is um i i engage them in a vision where they're lifting out of their seat if they're sitting and um i can speak uh through the physical uh issues that they're experiencing like what does the floor feel like what does it feel like now that you're three inches off the floor and you feel tingling it's uh It's very much uh, getting them to conjoin with me in the vision. And then we go up through the room out of the house or the building, up into the sky, above the sky, and then we get to above clouds. And then I say, okay, you can lay down now and just float there. And then tell me how you're feeling. And that's how they learn what it is. So it's energetically sharing a vision of it with them that envelops them so that they can actually participate in it i i suspect in a way it's what hypnosis can feel like for some people um but it isn't it's uh, it's just managing to extend the vision and the energy that it takes to have that experience to include them so that i can take them to where that goes
0: if if you could change one thing about people's understanding or how they looked in the world, because of your own experiences, what would that be?
4: Um, that would be to befriend fear. Fear fear is is the the flag that's waving that you don't want to look at. That says work over here. This is where your growth is. And don't be afraid of it. It's a flag saying this is where you're, this is what you have to address right now. Um, And you otherwise you're going to be spending the rest of your life dancing around it or, you know, compressing your being or, um, you know, tightening your being around that fear or trying to control other people. If you just look at it saying, okay, why am I afraid of that? Is that real? Um, A lot would change
0: in your website that you have in the name of healing.ca i would love to know what you meant by that in the name of healing because i happen to think names are so important and so what was your intention when you named your website in the name of healing
4: um sharon it just came out of me um, i was looking I, you know i was i was trying to come up with something and i thought what it's about is you know it's everything i do is in the name of healing and i thought yeah it's a little cumbersome but it does speak to what it is and it just it just felt like the the right thing to name it and i know it's long but uh, people remember it it's great
0: well i was just fascinated by it because you know with nameology science every name has energy that's into it and resonates to a vibration. And so when you're talking about in the name of healing, I mean, I was looking at those letters and what it all meant, and just calling something by its name is incredibly powerful. Um, it's, It's interesting to me all the different experiences that you've had. And so very briefly, would you mind addressing your UFO experience?
4: The UFO experience started, I think, when I was about three, but my first real memory of it was around five years old, but I I knew to be afraid then, because it had obviously happened before, but it would happen in my sleep, and I would be unable to move, except for my eyes, and this strong light would appear outside my window, and I would be terrified, of course, and the next thing I knew, I was outside of the bedroom, and I was in a space that we would now call a mothership, on a small stage uh, with other people lined up and only able to move my eyes in an absolute and complete terror. Um, it, it it kept happening, and I didn't seem to have any control over it. But um, what it did tell me is, you know, there's a lot more going on in this world than anybody's admitting to, because I couldn't have been the only person. There were these other people there. Nonetheless, um, you know, as a child, and you're terrified. You think you're nuts. You think you're crazy because no one else is having those experiences. But it taught me to always um, pay attention to the world around me because there will be clues that you're missing, given the breadth of that experience. So I was very soon realizing I was seeing smoke, what looked like smoke rising off of fresh fruit, and there was. Uh, what I now know is an energy field around every object and those sorts of things. So it was the lead-in, really.
0: You know, I think maybe more people have those experiences and, and that a lot of people could feel like, oh, I'm the only one doing this, and so I'm not going to talk about it. Um, be prepared to be surprised and pleased when you experience Bernard's work, and thank you so much for being with us today, Bernard. Bernard's website is... Is in the name of healing.ca. Bernard likes to make the world a better place and has an eye for beauty, as well as being a great detective, wanting to know the background of the ones around him. That comes from having the first vowel of E in his name. So if your first vowel of E, you too wish to make the world a more beautiful place and love to know people's backgrounds. Do you know where your genius lies? I'm Jerome Lynn Wyeth, host of the radio show Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which can be heard every weekday at various hours right here on xzbn.net radio and Zone radio station. Tune in to hear the fascinating ways other people discovered the genius in themselves and what they were able to accomplish. In each upcoming show, you'll hear clues on how you can recognize your own innate genius. Join us this week. If you wish to know more about your name and how you can discover your innate genius, go to knowthename.com. Again, that's knowthename.com.